Father, that's not past tense. Father, that's the right now, today. Father, you provide miracles to your people each and every day. Father, as we choose to walk in faith, the miracles are available to us every day, Father. You are not the God of the past, Father. You are the God of the present. So, Father, I thank you that you, you choose and desire, Father, to operate supernatural in the lives of, supernaturally in the lives of your children. So, Lord, we allow you to do that. We allow you to walk, Father, and to operate supernaturally in our lives. You are the supernatural God. And we thank you for that, Father. Lord, we just want to take a minute and worship you, praise you, declare your goodness in the earth. Thank you for being the great and good God. Thank you, Father, for being the kind God who delivers mercies of healing to his children who delivers mercies of kindness to his people. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for your kindness. Father, with all gratitude and thanksgiving, we give you all the praise and the honor for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Well, praise God. It's the Lord good. Amen. You know, the Bible says in um, the book of John, chapter 4, that God is a spirit. Uh, and if he is a spirit, of course he is because the Bible says he is, then the only way that he can operate uh, through us and to us and towards us is in a supernatural way. That word supernatural means uh, above the natural, beyond the natural. Uh, and um, there, there's always been a push, and, and, and that's really part of the reason why Dr. McCrossan wrote this particular book. There's always been a push in the church to do away with the supernatural. That, that God did what he did and now he's wherever he is, not intervening in any supernatural way, in any way that's beyond the natural realm uh, to his people. And he put things in motion at one point in time and now he's, now he's done. And that just seems like a really odd thing to, to, to believe, you know, if you're a Christian, amen. If you're not a Christian, you know, of course, you tend, uh, you tend to not be, believe in anything, amen. But um, if you're a Christian but don't believe that God moves in a, in a spiritual way, in a supernatural way, well, then what is he doing? Uh, and so it just seems like an odd thing that, uh, that, uh, that people would believe that, amen. Uh, and so, <clears throat> you know, uh, there was uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson, the president, uh, Thomas Jefferson, who also wrote the Declaration of Independence, uh, he actually wrote a Bible, right? It's called the Jefferson Bible. He didn't call it that. He called it the, the life and, and morals of Jesus or something to that effect. And, um, and it's not actually a translation. Basically what he did was he, he literally cut verses out of different translations and stuck them together. Uh, but what his, his goal was, he removed all the supernatural aspects out of Jesus. There's no healings in the Gospels. There's no raising of the dead. There's no laying on the hands on the sick. There's no supernatural. It's just when Jesus would say, you know, be good or be nice, then that's what he included. So basically he removed all the supernatural aspects out of it. And people have marveled at this translation. It's like, you know, this is a third grade job, right? This is a third grader could have done a better job of creating a Bible translation than 
the great president of the United States who also wrote the great Declaration of Independence. Uh, he was great in his writings until he got to the Bible and it was beyond his ability. And so um, it's unfortunate that he, uh, he believed that way, amen? <clears throat> but um, none of my businesses, you know, uh, that's uh, been gone for a long time. And, uh, and I do have a copy of that uh, translation, but it's not very impressive, right? Because it's, it's, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, it, there's nothing supernatural in it, amen? It's just uh, be nice to your neighbor and mow your yard and, and vote when you're supposed to and those types of things, amen? And so we had, um, uh, we're continuing here in Dr. McCrossin's book uh, as he is talking about uh, the origin of sickness and disease and uh, he had ta- we talked about this last week and how he said that the same word that Jesus used to rebuke a demonic uh, presence, he also rebuked sickness and disease, which is true. Uh, in his case, though, in Luke uh, 4.38, where he rebuked the fever, he said, well, that was really a spirit of fever. Uh, and it, I don't believe it was at all, because if it was, it would have said a spirit of fever. Uh, because we, we see and observe that uh, every sickness that Jesus dealt with was not due to demonic presence. Um, and so, uh, and, and we just know that from, from a practical standpoint, uh, different things from the Word of God, that it's clear that, that every sickness and disease is not due to a demonic presence. Uh, and, uh, and that should help inform us because if we get in a rut and we start uh, rebuking every sickness and disease as a demonic presence, then um, we, we will get uh, out of balance. And I've told you the story of my own experience with that because when I was uh, born again, the churches that we start, were going to when I first got saved, they were deliverance churches. And anybody remember deliverance churches from the 80s, right? In a deliverance church, everything's a devil. So if the lights flicker, well, that was a devil, right? If it started raining, well, that was a devil. If the roof started leaking, well, that was a devil. You know, if, if, if the chair was uncomfortable, well, that was a, a, a chair devil. And everything was a devil. And, um, and really, people use that as an excuse to not take any personal res- responsibility over your own actions. So if you're in a bad mood, well, that was a devil. If you're a mean person, well, that was a devil. If you were a liar, well, that was a devil. Uh, and I remember as a teenager thinking, you know, I think that person's just mean. I don't think there's any devils. And I think they're just a mean person, right? Uh, and, um, and of course, you know, being a teenager, uh, they assumed that I didn't know anything, and it was probably an accurate uh, assumption that I didn't know anything. But when I would take what they would do or to what they would say, I mean, you know, I believe there's a devil. Clearly, there's obviously a devil in the world and demons in the world and de- demonic activity in the world. So it wasn't like I was trying to do away with any uh, demonic activity. But when, when you lump every activity of humanity into uh, being motivated by the devil, specifically by demonic presence, then you take no personal responsibility for your actions. And then it's not your fault, right? Well, I can't, you know, it wasn't my fault. You know, you basically have the Flip Wilson uh, doctrine, right? That, that the devil made me do it. <clears throat> and, and then you're not responsible to repent or to, to ask for forgiveness because you didn't do anything. It was the devil doing it. And it was really awkward. Um, it was really an awkward uh, doctrine, uh, but, but that was the, the prevailing doctrine. Uh, and I, and I kind of, you know, picked that up, and uh, although I didn't really uh, ascribe to that particular doctrine, you know, I did kind of think that every sickness and disease was due to a demonic presence because, you know, you haven't studied these things as in depth as we, as we should have. Um, and so uh, years later, this was, you know, I mean, this has been many years after that. In fact, I was already married 
uh, by that time, been married at that time for <clears throat> about eight years. And I had been uh, dealing with um, getting strep throat a couple of times a year and, and uh, I would get really sick and, and um, I would lose my voice and I couldn't eat any food. I'd had a, a high fever uh, and this would go on, you know, uh, for a couple weeks at a time sometimes for it to finally work its way out, out of my system there. Uh, and, it, and it kept happening. And so finally I went to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, I believe in healing. Why am I not getting, uh, why am I not having success in overcoming this particular sickness and disease? Uh, because every time it would come, I would rebuke the devil. I command you in the name of Jesus, devil, uh, to get off of me. Uh, and the Lord spoke to me and said, well, the, the problem is this sickness is not due to a demonic presence. And so you're rebuking the devil when there's no devil. And if you remember back in Luke uh, 4, uh, 39, we read that. It says, and Jesus, talk, this is talking about uh, Peter's mother-in-law, he stood over her and rebuked the what? The fever, right? He didn't rebuke the devil. He rebuked the fever, the thing, Right. Uh, and so he spoke to the sickness. So he didn't speak to a demonic presence that was causing the sickness. He spoke to the sickness itself. Uh, and, he, and it left her. Well, did, did the devil leave her? No, the sickness left her. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, no doubt I had read uh, this particular verse before, but it never really dawned on me. You know, you don't you know you, sometimes you read things without really meditating or studying them in depth to get the full understanding there. Uh, uh, and so uh, I had been rebuking the devil and there was no devil. So, so Jesus didn't rebuke the devil here in Luke 4, 39. He rebuked the fever. Uh, and the Lord showed me well, that, was, that was my error that I was, uh, I didn't have any, uh, any unction that it was the devil because, you know, how do you know there's a devil involved? Who would tell you that? Well, the, the Lord would have to tell you that, right? Because can you see it? Do you see little horns popping out somewhere or pitchforks show up or a red tail or anything? No, you'd have to know that by supernatural revelation. Amen? Uh, and sometimes it, it, it's typically, that's, uh, it, it would be the word of knowledge in particular that is a demonic spirit, or it's, it's a discerning of spirits, right? So discerning of spirits, you would actually see in the realm of spirit, and you would see the demonic uh, presence on them, the demonic being on them. <clears throat> and demons are all shapes and sizes. They're big and little. Uh, and, um, and in fact, Brother Randy tell you, uh, because when he's in prison, you know, you get, this, you get a, a lot higher percentage uh, interacting with devils than you do in the regular world, right? And so there's a lot of devils in prisons, amen? <clears throat> and so he started cataloging devil names, right? Because sometimes it wouldn't come out, and, you know, sometimes you have to ask their, ask their name, and the devils would tell him their name, and, and so he started keeping a catalog. And, um, and one time Lord said, you got to stop doing that because what will end up happening, you'll have this book of devil names and people will start worshiping that. Amen. People will start uh, elevating that above its rightful place. Uh, and so, so uh, Jesus rebuked the, the sickness. He didn't rebuke the devil uh, because in this case there was no, it was a fever. Well, what was the fever caused by? Well, we don't know what caused the fever, uh, but it didn't matter because uh, it was just sickness. There was no demonic presence there. Did Jesus ever cast out devils in other cases? He did plenty of other times. And so, uh, so we find then, uh, and so back to, to my testimony, after the Lord showed me that, then uh, the, the unction that I had 
Because, again, we said when it comes to the demonic spirits, you only know there's the demonic spirits from one of two ways. Either the word of knowledge, which is a supernatural revelation of some activity going on in the present time, or it's a discerning of spirits, which you could actually see in the realm of the spirit. Uh, and who, who chooses to grant you either one of those? The Holy Spirit does, right? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says it's as the spirit wills. So nobody has the spirit of wisdom or the, or the, um, uh, the word of wisdom gift operating in life all the time. It's as the spirit wills. And the Lord will use some people on, on more uh, in that way than other ways. Uh, and that's fine if the Lord chooses to do that. Uh, but uh, he, it's not always there. So if there's no unction, if, if there's no knowledge that there's demonic presence there, then one of two things must be true. Either there's no demonic presence there and it's just regular run-of-the-mill sickness and disease because there's, there's um, germs and viruses in the earth trying to attack your body every day, or there is a demonic presence there, but it's not necessary for you to know it and you can still speak to the sickness and it will leave because that's what's, what's causing a sickness. Either way, you have to have confidence in the Spirit of God. If He, if he needs you to, to speak to the demonic presence, then he will give you that unction to do that. If he doesn't give you any unction that is, is a demonic presence, then, uh, then it's not necessary for you to know that and to operate as if there was one, and so you can just speak to the sickness and disease directly. Uh, and, of course, the, the, the other situation that it's not even due to a demonic presence, then, then it would, of course, be uh, unnecessary for the Spirit of God to, to reveal that to you. So if, if you don't know this is a demonic presence, you shouldn't assume there's one. And so that's the point, because if you assume there's one, then you're going to go down a path of trying to deal with that sickness and disease in a way that is unnecessary, uh, and, and the devil will just laugh at you, right? So if you start calling out everything as a devil, and there's no devil, then the devil is just going to laugh at you. You know, please do that again. You know, command me to leave again, because I'm not there. But go ahead and do it again, because you're wasting your time, and I'd rather you waste your time on things that aren't so than things that are so. Uh, and so, you know, back uh, in, in those churches that, that I was going to when I first got saved, um, it, it just, to me, uh, even as a teenager, because I'm a born-again spirit, right? It just seemed to be, to me, crossways with the, with the Word of God. Uh, that that every, the devil was elevated that, you know, in fact, people would say, well, I have a deliverance ministry. And the problem with that is there's no ministry identified in the New Testament as being a deliverance ministry. Uh, and so when people do that, they're elevating things that the Lord didn't elevate. And they're creating uh, things, creating ministries that don't exist, that the Spirit of God or the, the, the Lord Jesus himself, as the head of the church, never gave anybody a delivering, deliverance ministry. He said in Mark chapter 16 uh, that, uh, that you shall cast out devils. He did tell us that. But he told that to the whole church. So in one sense, the whole church has a deliverance ministry, but you should never elevate the, the devil in any situation because it just gives him credit for things that he has no, nothing to do with. You know, now, ultimately, he was the one who brought sin and death into the world. We know that. We've studied that. Uh, but he's not actively involved in every sickness and disease. So don't elevate him and give him the, 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 um, uh, the, the honor of being the cause of some uh, malady in somebody's life. So after the Lord showed that to me that I was rebuking the, uh, the devil when there was no devil involved, then I changed, right? I mean, you can change or not change, right? You only got two choices. And so I decided to change. And unless the Lord specifically told me that there was a demonic presence there, 
then uh, I just rebuked the devil. I mean, rebuked the fever, just like Jesus did in Luke 4.39. He spoke to the he spoke to the fever. And even in that case, you know, uh, in every case I try to listen to the Spirit of God, how do you want me to deal with this? So sometimes you do that. Sometimes you just command yourself to be well. And you don't even mention the sickness at all. Just command your body to be well. You know, sometimes he's, he just said, be healed. Uh, and so he didn't rebuke, in every case, he didn't rebuke the, the fever or the sickness and disease. And so uh, at the end of the day, the, the conclusion you have to come to is there's no law in, in how you deal with sickness and disease. The best way to do it is be led by the Spirit of God. And you know, do you just uh, command healing to come into this body? Do you rebuke the sickness and disease that's upon this body? Or do you cast a devil that's causing this sickness and disease in this body? So you could do it all, all those different ways, amen? Uh, and, and sometimes you anoint with oil. And you don't do anything, you just anoint with oil. Uh, and so, uh, so the way we deal with sickness and disease is really dependent on the Spirit of God, amen? And you don't have to go into weeks of prayer and fasting to find that out. If, if we would grow in the Lord and walk in His presence, we would know in the moment you know, what we should do. And He would lead us and guide us. Should we uh, pray this way, minister this way, or, or how should we do that? And then uh, as He directs us in that way, then that's what we should do, Amen. And don't make a big deal out of it, you know, and even if there is a devil, you don't make a big deal of it because the devil's a defeated foe. Uh, and uh, I remember, again, back to the, the same deliverance church that we were part of. It wasn't called the deliverance church, but, I mean, everything was kind of focused in that way. They would cast out devils and put somebody in the front row and spend two hours casting a devil out. And I remember asking one of the adults, what do y'all, why y'all take, take so much time casting a devil out? Because I was reading, like, by that time, uh, I was in the book of Mark, and if you read the book of Mark, so many cases where Jesus was dealing with things, it said, and immediately this happened. Immediately this happened. The word immediately was used many times, especially in the, in the gospel of Mark, emphasizing how little time it takes to do these things. And so they were taking hours, you know, and, uh, and what they were waiting for, the, for something to happen, right? They were waiting for, you know, somebody to spit up pea soup or the head to spin around 360 degrees or the, you know, float through the air. I mean, they were waiting for some physical manifestation to show that, that faith had gone forth. Now, and and we, don't, we don't judge faith by the natural circumstances. When the word of faith is spoken, that's sufficient. Amen. Uh, remember Jesus told, told the, the, the uh, uh, lepers that then when there's 10 of them, go and show yourself to the priest. And it says, as they went, they were healed. Well, why, why were they healed as they went? Because Jesus spoke the word. When he spoke the word, as far as he's concerned, it's done. Uh, and so it, it took a little while for, the, for the, physical the physical manifestation to catch up with the spiritual declaration. But he didn't go and repeat himself. He didn't chase after them. Are you better now? Oh, no, no, be healed in Jesus' name. Are you better now? No, okay, well, be healed in Jesus' name. Uh, of course, he didn't say in Jesus' name because he was Jesus, obviously. But, but uh, once he spoke the word, it was sufficient. Amen. And if he ever needed to follow up with that, now he did do that one time when, when the blind man, when he was praying for the blind man, and he said, what do you see? And he said, I, walk, I see men walking as trees. So uh, in, uh, telling us that he still couldn't see clearly enough. He could see more than he could see before, but nothing was discernible in his eyesight. He could see things moving, but he wasn't quite sure what those objects were. And so he did pray for him a, a second time. And you know, so again, you know, that tells us, do you need to pray a second time? And that's fine. But if you're praying five, six times for the same thing or praying for multiple hours over the same thing, you're probably not in faith to begin with, right? The most Jesus ever did was pray for somebody twice. 
Uh, and if you're praying for Jesus, I know we're not, Jesus don't have the faith, that, that same level of faith that Jesus had, uh, but <clears throat> we can still, I mean, it doesn't take much faith, amen? Jesus always talked about a little faith in the sense of a grain of mustard seed. And so, uh, so in that, you know, we, we just have to be careful of, of um, uh, not trying to play church, right? Not trying to look like we're doing churchy things. Well, if, if we pray for them for a couple hours, you know, well, that, that's, that's what we should do. And that's not to say that there aren't extended times of prayer, but, you know, in that church and that setup there, it had really gotten to be kind of a, um, uh, of a theater almost, right? And they were good people, right? They loved the Lord. I believe they loved the Lord, uh, but they weren't really taught well, right? They were taught that, you know, you, you've got to do this. These things take a long time. These are big devils. And, uh, and, and it was like, well, Jesus is stronger than them, but just barely, right? And so, so we got to make sure we, we go the extra mile. And, and it was very, to me, there was very little actual faith involved in that. It was more of a, of a show. Uh, and again, that's not to disparage anybody in that. It's just, you know, that was the way it was back in, back in, the, uh, in the 80s, in the, in the 80s, really, right? And so uh, I'm thankful that we get to grow up in that uh, since then. So let's, let's turn over to the book of Acts chapter 10 here. <clears throat> and so all of that to say that when, when Dr. McCrossin said that, that, uh, uh, that fever was due to a, to a demonic presence there, a spirit of fever. Uh, I would tend to disagree with that because we don't see the evidence of the word. And, I don't, and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, not comfortable adding things to the word of God. If you say there was, a, there was a spirit there, then I think it's a, it's a more reasonable assumption that, that it, there was no spirit there in, in, at all and that it was just run-of-the-mill fever. Uh, and so... So then uh, he does talk about this verse a lot. So in Acts 10, 38, uh, uh, Dr. McCrossin does mention this verse many times because it's a good summary verse about the plan of Jesus. And, and, and this was spoken when uh, Peter was at the Gentiles' house, at Cornelius' house. And so he, he's trying to summarize the work of the Lord Jesus uh, to a Gentile who, who didn't know anything about the Lord Jesus. And so that's why he, he quoted this particular a phrase here in Acts 10 38 says how God so that's God the Father right anointed Jesus of Nazareth so then you got uh, God the Son with the Holy Ghost uh, so he's got God the Son God the uh, God the Father God the Son and God the Spirit God the Holy Spirit so you got the three the three uh, parts of the Godhead right here so when Jesus was operating in the earth uh, even though he was Jesus uh, specifically but it was all three of the Godhead, the Trinity, operating in the life of Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and, uh, and with what? What's that next word? With what? Uh, with power, right? And that word power there is uh, the Greek word dunamis, right? Which is uh, supernatural miracle work and power of God. So the Lord anoints us. Uh, if God anointed Jesus, then God has anointed us because we are the body of Christ. So we are the representative of the Lord Jesus on the earth now that he's gone on to heaven. So if God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, and, and I like the way that, uh, that Peter uh, says that, Jesus of Nazareth, of Nazareth. So uh, Jesus, God himself, does not need to be anointed. God is anointed. He is the anointing. Uh, and so if Jesus was God on the earth, there was no need for him to be anointed. Uh, he was Jesus of Nazareth, right, from a, from a, a specific natural location. So he, he's emphasizing the humanity of Jesus here and that a human being 
needs to be anointed. Amen. A human being has no deity in and of self. And we know that Jesus, although he was God on the earth, he had set aside his ability to, to act like God and operate as God on the earth. He's, the Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 2 that he laid that aside. Uh, and so if he laid that aside, then, then we understand why in a couple of different places Jesus said that I can of my own self do nothing. Well, why did he say that I can of my own self do nothing? I thought he was God. He, he was God, but he chose to lay that part of himself aside for a temporary time of history to come unto the earth and really to show us, why did he do it this way? Couldn't he have not just come into the earth as God? He could have, uh, but then uh, people would say, yeah, but that was Jesus. And so if it was Jesus, then, then we can't operate like Jesus because he's God. But if it was God anointing Jesus that gave him the ability to do these things, and then we realize, well, if, if God can anoint Jesus, then I also am anointed. And so uh, that's why when Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. Well, how is it if Jesus operated as God? I'm not God. Are you God? I know people who think they're God, but nobody I know is actually God. And so if, if people on the earth operate in the same capacity that Jesus did as a human being, anointed with the Holy Spirit and supernatural miracle work and power, then if, if we have that ability to do that and to be anointed like that, then we have the ability to do and operate the same things that Jesus did, which is what Jesus told us, that we would do the same things that he did. The works that I do shall you do, and greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. Uh, And so uh, if God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, then God would anoint people of Dayton with the Holy Ghost. And if if God will anoint people of, of Dayton with the Holy Ghost, then he will anoint them with supernatural miracle work and power. And if that's true, then people of Dayton can go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. So I like how Peter phrases this, that even though uh, it's not specifically a demonic presence, but all sickness and disease is an oppression of the devil, right? The devil kicked it and put it into into play maybe thousands of years ago even. And and he he kicked it off, that sickness and disease, uh, somehow, and, and... I mean, just like with, with the coronavirus, right, COVID-19, uh, the, the general prevailing theory is it came from a lab in China. Well, uh, and, and it, you know, I mean, what, it, did it happen like that? I don't know. It probably did, but, you know, I don't really care whether it did or not. Uh, and then it swept around the world. Well, well, were there Chinese people hiding in everybody's closet and, 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 and uh, uh, wiping people down with, with uh, the coronavirus? No, once they released it, that inertia of that virus just consumed the world, right? And, of course, all of humanity went bonkers about all that stuff. Uh, and so, you know, all sickness and disease was originally created by the devil somehow, uh, by twisting creation. But, he, but once that happened, you know, he's not involved in every specific uh, sickness and disease. Uh, but because he was the originator of all sickness and disease in that sense, then it's an oppression of the devil. And so uh, I'm okay with calling... Uh, all sickness and disease and oppression of the devil because that's what Peter said here, knowing that every sickness and disease is not due to, to a specific demonic or, or, or uh, devilish presence there. Amen? Does that make sense? Uh, and so, um, so uh, that, now, this, this is, of course, uh, I just put this here because I thought uh, uh, it was a lot of big words here. Uh, Dr. McCrossman talked a, a little bit about the word oppressed here. 
And he said the, the word oppressed is the present participle passive accusative plural of some other Greek word. And, and I just have to take his word for that, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's correct. Well, what if it's not correct? I wouldn't be able to prove it wasn't correct, amen? So, so if he said it's a present participle passive accusative plural of that Greek word, then uh, okay, that's fine. I, I will trust him that he's correct because I'm not a Greek scholar and not really interested in knowing what the difference between a present participle passive accusative plural is and some other uh, verb tense of Greek words, amen? Uh, and so we'll just take his word for it, amen? It doesn't change it if you believe it. It doesn't change it if you don't believe it. Uh, it just is, amen? Uh, and so uh, the point is that he, uh, as he was studying these things, he was trying to get what's the root of this word? What's the root intention of this word? And so that's really what he's trying to get down, uh, get to us is what's the intention of this word oppressed? Uh, and so uh, he said uh, that it really comes from a compound Greek word, which means down or under, and another Greek word, which means I hold power or lordship. And so down or under, and I hold power of lordship. So you put those two words together because that's the way it was written in the Greek. Then you put those two concepts together and it means those under the dominion or lordship of Satan. So when, when, when Peter said healing all that were oppressed of the devil, he was saying that, that Jesus healed all those that were under the dominion or lordship of Satan. Uh, and so, uh, so how many people did Jesus heal? All of them, right? Uh, and so even though it wasn't, it wasn't due to demonic presence, because they're under that oppression of the devil, then they're under the lordship of the devil, right? Uh, in that sense that the, the devil has, come, ha, has been able to, to uh, usurp authority in someone's life by putting sickness and disease on them and putting them under his uh, lordship because they're under the sickness and disease that he initiated in the earth. Uh, and so, so that gives some, some insight in that. So if, if every sickness and disease that Peter said here was an oppression of the devil, then is the devil a defeated foe? He is a defeated foe, right? And if he's a defeated foe, then every sickness and disease is defeated. So if every sickness and disease is defeated, then we have authority over that, over that sickness because we have lordship over that sickness because we are uh, uh, Christians who are following the victory of the Lord Jesus, right? Remember uh, 1, John, uh, chapter, uh, 5, uh, 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcome the world, even our faith. So our faith then is what is going to be used to, um, to maintain that victory, amen? Uh, and, and so uh, if, if people are under the lordship or under the dominion uh, of the devil because of sickness and disease, well, then we should rise up and say, well, I'm not going to subject myself to being under the dominion of, of another God. I'm going to remain under the only God, and I'm going to rebuke the sickness and disease, and I'm going to take my rightful place back as the healed of God. And so that, and that's, all of that is wrapped up in that particular verse there. And so Acts 10.38 is just, a good, uh, is just a, a good summary of the work of the Lord Jesus. And I like Acts 10.38 because it shows... Uh, the Godhead, the, the Trinity of God. It shows uh, how Jesus specifically set up his ministry in the earth to operate as a man. He chose to do it that way. Uh, and I remember again back, um, I must have been a real um, rebellious teenager or something in the church because I was talking to an adult about this one time. And well, Jesus was a man, you know. And they said, well, you're making him too much of a man. And I just thought that was odd, you know, because... Uh, 
he, he was a man and he chose to, to yield to the Spirit of God and to allow the Spirit of God to empower him to win the victory in every situation because he wanted to show us that if he could do it, you can do it. Uh, if he was operating as God, then that's great. Doesn't help me at all, right? Does, doesn't help me that, that he, has, he is divine and his divine presence caused the devil to leave. That's great. I am not the divine presence, amen? I know some people who think they are the divine presence, uh, but they're not, amen? Um, and so, uh, but he was a man of Nazareth, right? He had a specific uh, location that he was from. Uh, and, and so God is omnipresent, right? God's everywhere. But Jesus of Nazareth was only from Nazareth, right? Wherever he was at, he was from Nazareth. He was a specific person anointed by God. Well, if he's anointed by God as a, as a human, then I can be anointed by God as a human. And if he was victorious because he was anointed, then I can be victorious because I'm anointed. Uh, and, and so that was, wasn't the only reason, but that was a big reason why Jesus set it up that way to prove that. Because if you go over to 1 Corinthians, he talks about being the last Adam or the second man. Uh, and, and he specifically said that because he wanted to show that as, because uh, some people believe that Adam was doomed to fail. Well, God set it up. Uh, he was planning on Adam failing so he could come in, swoop in and, and, and plan a redemption. Uh, but Jesus came in as the last Adam to dispel that lie that Adam was doomed to fail because did Jesus fail? Jesus didn't fail. So Jesus came in the earth just like Adam. The Bible calls him the last Adam. He came in, Adam, Adam was not deity, Adam wasn't God, he was made by God, uh, and his body was formed by God, uh, and so Adam also didn't have the sin nature in him, Jesus didn't have the sin nature in him, uh, Adam was created by God, Jesus was created by God as, a, as the son of God, uh, and when he came into the earth, uh, and he did that to dispel that lie, right, that was one of the reasons, not again, again, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons why Jesus was born of a virgin so he could show that a human being can be successful in this earth uh, anytime they want to, 100% successful anytime they want to. Uh, and, and so uh, have we all been 100% successful in all that we do? Well, I mean, you know, if I was put money on it, I'd say no, right? I mean, you want me to put down money on, on whether I think you're perfect or not perfect? I know where I'm going to put my money, amen? Uh, but still, we can strive to be that way. If Jesus did that for our benefit, then we can strive to be that way, that we can be successful in all that we do, especially in dealing with sickness and disease. Uh, and so I'm thankful that the, the, the Lord put a lot of thought into redemption, amen, about how he was going to do redemption, how he was going to come into the earth, why he was going to come into the earth, all the things that were going to accomplish, be accomplished by coming in earth the way that he did. Uh, and so I'm so very thankful that he spent all that time and if you really study that, uh, the thing that, that uh, I'm so appreciative in studying this uh, over the, the many years is how much work God put into redemption. You know, people a lot of times want to focus on, well, he went to the cross and, and, and paid for our sins. That's it's true, 100% true. But it's so much more than that. Amen. It's so much bigger than that. Uh, and the effort he had to put in to make it just so. And if you go back in the Old Covenant and look at, read all the law, and, and, and so many times you find out, you know, he wrote this law just my, you know, like in, in, for example, in Luke 14, in Luke, in, not, not Luke, in Leviticus chapter 14, the whole chapter of Leviticus 14 is almost entirely dedicated to what happens when a leper is cleansed and, and what's the process they should do to be certified to be cleansed from leprosy. Uh, and it says, you know, you've got to go and show yourself to the priest 
uh, uh, and the priest has to certify you as being cleansed. You've got to go take your clothes and burn them. You've got to go uh, stay away from people for seven days to make sure that you're really clean. You've got to be inspected to make sure there's, there's no uh, possibility that uh, leprosy is not hiding somewhere. You've got to have your whole house cleaned up uh, after, after you've been certified just to make sure it doesn't come back. And so there's a whole bunch of rules and regulations of that. And yet uh, in Israel, how many uh, Jewish per- persons were ever cleansed from leprosy? None. Zero, right? None. And yet an entire chapter in the book of Leviticus was dedicated to this, to this proposal. And really, uh, any Jewish person could have taken advantage of that and said, well, Lord, it says right here in your law as a, uh, that I can be cleansed from leprosy, so I want to take advantage of that law. And yet nobody did for thousands of years from, from the time when Moses wrote it, right, until the Lord Jesus, that was about 1,500 years or so. Uh, nobody ever took advantage of that, right? And yet it's been there the whole time. And so a lot of things Jesus set up in the law knowing no, nobody would ever take advantage of until he showed up. And he, so he could go cleanse the lepers because when he was cleansing the lepers, he wasn't doing it as deity. He was doing it as, well, the law says, I can cleanse you, so you're cleansed. So I've got a legal right to cleanse you, even though the devil took a legal right in a sense to, to put leprosy on them. Jesus had a legal right because he set it up uh, in, the, in the, the covenant of man that he made with the, mankind that I can come and cleanse you. You can be cleansed from leprosy. And so, uh, you know, he put a lot of work in, into planning those laws that nobody took advantage of for, for over a thousand years. And yet it was there all the time. Amen. And so let's turn over to the book of uh, uh, Luke here, uh, Luke chapter 13, and we'll look at a, a couple more things. So uh, he's wanting to make a point that many sickness and diseases are caused uh, by demonic spirits, uh, and that's true. So uh, I just, again, want to reiterate, be careful of being devil conscious, amen, that everything is a devil. In fact, you know, I, I talked with one Christian one time, everything was the devil in, in their life. And they said, you know, why am, I, why am I struggling? I said, well, the reason, one reason why you're struggling is every time I have a conversation with you, within a few minutes, you mention the word devil somehow. Because uh, he said there was devils in his clothes, there was devils in his house, you know, everything was a devil. I'd visit him in a hospital, you know, talk to him. Everything's a devil, you know, just talk to him, you know, just out and about. Everything was a devil. Uh, and, and, and so what happened? He got devil conscious. Everything was a devil. And if you start looking for a devil, what are you going to find? You're going to find a devil somewhere, right? I mean, if you're looking for him everywhere you go, you're going to find the devil somewhere. He's going to be glad to, to let you think that everything was caused by a devil. And so some things are, uh, uh, many things are not. And so you know that by the Spirit of God. Amen? And if it is, it's no big deal, right? You don't make a big deal out of it. Don't make a big show out of it. Uh, the devil's a defeated foe, especially on this side of the cross. He's a completely defeated foe. And so everything he's doing is, is doing it as, as a, um, uh, an illegitimate uh, criminal operating in the earth. And so he has no right and privilege to operate in the earth, uh, in, especially in a Christian's life. Uh, and even outside the, the church, he's still op- operating as a criminal element because the Jesus took the, de- the keys of death, hell, and the grave from the enemy. So he has no keys or the keys represent authority. He has no authority in the earth like he did prior to the cross. And so here... In Luke chapter 13, this is a story uh, of the, the woman with the spirit of infirmity. And um, we can start here on, um, in chapter 13, verse 10. 
It says, and he was, uh, it says, as he was teaching, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Uh, and, um, uh, and you probably know this, you know, but in Jerusalem, there is a single temple, right? And all, of, all the males in Israel were required to go present themselves to the temple at least a couple of times a year, depending on the feast that was going on. Uh, but on, on a day-to-day life of a Jewish person, you know, if they lived uh, in some place other than Jerusalem, then if they wanted to go and worship the Lord, if they wanted to go and study about uh, the, the, the Old Testament law, they would go to a local synagogue. And so the synagogues were similar to our churches today, right? Uh, the difference is that the, the church of the Lord Jesus doesn't have a temple, right? There's no single temple that we go to. I mean, you can count Tulsa is kind of like that, right? It's kind of a mecca of, of the Word of Faith movement anyway. You know, Oral Roberts and Brother Hagen, a bunch of people were, lived out there in Tulsa, but I'm being facetious there. Uh, but the synagogues were similar to our church. So anytime you see the word synagogue, it was a local small body of Jewish believers there that, were, that would go and they would hear the word or hear the, the law read to them uh, on, a, on a regular basis. I don't know what their schedules were, how often they did this. But in this particular case, he was there in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed over and could in no wise lift, lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, in this case here, I I think it's interesting because we know, according to verse 11, that this was due to a demonic presence. And and this demonic presence, you think about this, the sickness was, was observed in the natural realm but the source of the sickness was not due to some infection or due to some uh, disease. It was due to a demonic presence. And so uh, the spirit realm was influencing the natural realm. And that can't happen, right? The spirit realm has a great influence on the natural realm. And so this, this spirit being, uh, he called it a spirit of infirmity, uh, had caused her to be crippled, right? And she, bowed, she was bowed over. You ever seen people bowed over, you know, really bad cases uh, of crippling diseases, you know, like arthritis and things. People are bowed over. They can't even st- uh, straighten up. Uh, and uh, that doesn't mean that everybody ha- has that disease is, is uh, possessed of a devil or anything. And she wasn't possessed of the devil, uh, but she, she, had, she was oppressed of the devil. So the devil had oppressed her uh, and so that, that was a spirit right there, right? Uh, and so uh, he brings out the point that uh, the word infirmity there is the most common Greek word that is, is also translated as sickness. So she had a spirit of sickness. And that's valid, right? That's a, that's a valid spirit there. Uh, I think it's interesting, and he didn't make uh, the, the point about this. Did Jesus cast this devil out of her? Did he rebuke the devil in this case? Did he, did he say, I command you? leave her and loose her, uh, did, he, did he address the spirit being directly? No. He, he declared, uh, in this case, he didn't even rebuke the infirmity at all. He declared what was to be so. And what was to be so that she was loosed from this infirmity. And so again, how do you know how to pray? The best way to learn how to pray is to learn how to be sensitive to the spirit of God. So uh, he just declared what was to be, what was to be so. Uh, and so 
uh, he, he declared that she is loosed uh, or free from that infirmity. Uh, so, again, even if it's the demonic presence, are you supposed to cast it out? Uh, no. Are you supposed to find out its name? Did Jesus ask the name of this demonic presence? No. He knew what it was, but, he, but it's a, you know, the spirit of infirmity, but that's not its name. That's just its type, right? It's a spirit of infirmity. Spirit of, so there's uh, clearly if there's spirits of infirmity, there's other spirits, right? Spirit of anger, spirit of, of, of lust, spirit of, of lying. You know, uh, there's, there's other spirits, no doubt, in the spirit realm that are assigned certain tasks. Uh, and so, but, but as an individual spirit being, it's got a name. And we have no idea what its name is, and we don't care. We don't want to elevate its importance to, to have to know its name, right? Uh, and so, and in this case, as far as we know, it's a single, singular spirit that's causing this sickness uh, uh, in her life. In other cases, there are multiple spirits uh, in people's lives, right? The man, the, the Gadarene demoniac, he had a large number of spirit beings that he had actually, uh, in his case, he was fully possessed. So the other thing that's interesting here is uh, he never says that she's possessed of the devil. And so you may know that sickness is due to a demonic presence. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you're possessed of the devil. Uh, and so whenever you see, see Jesus cast out devils, that's usually implying that that person is fully possessed of the devil. Oftentimes the devil would speak through them. And many times, remember, that Jesus would get in the presence of somebody, a person, and it would say the devil would speak up, I know who art thou, thou art the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he would rebuke the, that spirit. Be quiet and speak no more. And so he wasn't speaking to the person to stop speaking. He was speaking to the demonic spirit that had possessed them. So uh, you've got to be careful, especially in dealing with people, if you know that a sickness is due to a demonic presence and you cast that devil out of their body, you're not, you're not saying that they're, they are possessed with the devil. Amen. Their bodies have the devil in it uh, for whatever reason. Amen. Uh, and if there is a reason, you, you would deal with that reason if they've opened up the door somehow. Uh, and on this side of the cross, things are a little bit different, especially in the church, uh, because uh, first of all, as a Christian, it's, it's not possible for you to be fully possessed of the devil. Amen. It is possible for your body to be oppressed with the devil and you could cast that devil out, but uh, you're not casting out devils. Uh, Christians cannot be possessed because their spirits are sealed by the Holy Ghost. Uh, and the only way for the, for the devil to get past that would be to remove the Holy Spirit from somebody's life. And, and I don't think that the Holy Spirit would uh, yield to the, to the demands of the devil, amen, to leave that person's body. And so that's a little bit different discussion there. But it is interesting that, that we, uh, we observe that this particular sickness was due to a, to a spiritual being, a, spiritual, a demonic presence, and yet Jesus did not cast it out. There was no pea soup uh, spit up or, or vomited, right? There was nothing, there was no show on her part other than we saw that, that she was immediately straightened, right? Uh, in verse 13, that she was, uh, that he laid hands on her. So in this case, he did two things to cause her to be healed. He declared what was to, what was to be so, that she was loose from the sickness, and then he laid hands on her to transfer that, that uh, anointing that was in him into her physical body. Uh, and so, uh, do you always do it this way? No, there's no law, right? So don't get into a rut. Uh, sometimes it just says he only laid hands. Sometimes, you remember uh, with the, the, uh, uh, the centurion's servant, uh, the centurion said, speak the word only. And Jesus said, okay, according to your faith, be it unto you. 
He only spoke the word, didn't even lay hands on anybody. So sometimes he would lay hands on people and, do, and say something. Sometimes he would only say something. Sometimes he would only lay hands on people. So uh, if you just are led by the Spirit of God, then it's easy to know what to do. Amen. Just don't get under pressure. Well, I always have to lay hands on people. Uh, and, and so we don't want to get into a rut. We want to be led by the Spirit of God uh, to do things this way. So Jesus did, did two things here. He declared what was to be so. You're loose from the infirmity. Uh, and so other cases he said, be healed. So he, he spoke these things which be not as though they were. In this case, he declared what was to be so. Uh, so he didn't speak those things which were not as though they were. Uh, he spoke to that which was. Amen. And commanded it to, to leave her. So again, it's slightly different, right? So sometimes we do use Romans 4.17 as speaking those things which be not as though they were. I'm the healed of God. Well, that's fine, right? That's fair to do that. You can speak those things that be not as though they were. That's not what Jesus is doing here, right? He was, he was actually talking about those things which actually were, uh, not those things that, that were not as though they were. So what was actually going on was she was, was uh, uh, crippled by this spirit. And so he said, you're loosed from your infirmity. Uh, and so, again, nothing to do with the devil. Did not, did, did not even acknowledge that the devil was there. And that's, you know, to me, that's, that's, that's kind of a win-win, right? You get the victory without giving the devil any, uh, uh, any appreciation for acknowledging his presence. Amen? Uh, the, you know, you, you don't honor him by acknowledging his presence. And so Jesus was, did not honor the devil by even acknowledging his presence here. Uh, and sometimes it's helpful to do that, right? He's not worthy uh, of any honor at all. And so that's what Jesus did. He, 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 he declared that which was to be so in her life. And then he laid hands on her. And immediately she was made straight. And, and she did what? Glorified God, right? So we never see a case where people glorified God because of their sickness in the Gospels, right? They only glorified God uh, as a result of their healing. Uh, and so when people say, well, I, I'm glorifying God in my sickness, well, then you are in rebellion against the word of God because the word of God only shows that, re- that the glorifying God was a result of receiving the blessings from heaven instead of receiving the, the sickness of the enemy. Uh, and of course, that made everybody in the synagogue happy, right? It says, and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And the reason why that was is because healing is considered uh, a, an act of work. Because uh, when people were healed, uh, or at least were, were taken care of, the implication was they would have to have some, some actual medical assistance, right? Some kind of uh, salve was put on them, or bandages were put on them, or s- some action that was done to them in order to relieve the symptoms of the sickness and disease, so they said any act that's related to providing uh, medical assistance is considered work, and you can't do that on the Sabbath. Even though, I mean, he did lay hands on her, but he didn't actually do any real work here. But, you know, that, that's, that's beside the point for legalistic people, right? Well, that's the same thing as if you put a Band-Aid on her. And so you can't, no Band-Aids for you on Sunday, right, or on Sabbath. <clears throat> and so uh, he got mad, uh, which to me is just really pathetic, right? Uh, that uh, this woman was this way for how long? 18 years. He had no joy for her, no gladness that she was better off uh, than, than uh, uh, 
afterwards than she was before. And how long you reckon she'd been going to the synagogue? She might have been going there the whole 18 years that uh, she was under this, this sickness and disease and that this ruler of the synagogue would probably knew her, knew her name, knew her family, right? Because these people would t- t- tend to stay where they lived. They didn't travel around a lot, you know, move different place to place. They would oftentimes uh, be born, be raised, and live and die in the same city, go to the same synagogue. Uh, and it wasn't like, you know, in the church world, you throw a rock and you hit three churches. It wasn't really that way with the Jewish nation. There would typically be one synagogue uh, per, per area. Uh, and so these rulers of the synagogue would know the family, know the children, know, know them as they grew up. And yet he was unhappy that she was healed. You've got to be cold-hearted, don't you, to see somebody who's now relieved of their, uh, of their sickness after 18 years, and you're not happy for her. Uh, and of course, Jesus called them a hypocrite, right, for doing that. Uh, we're, we're in uh, Luke 18 or 13. Let's turn over one more, and then we'll go uh, in uh, Mark chapter 9. So was that spirit of infirmity, was that a, a demonic presence? It was. Did Jesus cast the devil out? Nope, didn't cast the devil out. So are we going to make a law? Cast the devil out of everything? No. Uh, and so <clears throat> here in, in um, um, this is in Luke chapter 9, and, and maybe we need to pause on this because I'd rather uh, go through it in some time and look at it uh, all the way through here. Because this, this is, uh, we assume this is an epileptic spirit. It seems to have the same symptoms of epilepsy. Uh, and so in this case, it was, again, a, um, uh, a demonic spirit. Uh, and in this case, Jesus does command the spirit to come out of this child. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll just pause there for today. And we'll come back and look at, uh, look at it a little more detail. Uh, because this is another example. So in this case, there is a demonic presence. And uh, Jesus specifically speaks to the spirit. In Luke 13, it was due to a demonic spirit. He did not address the demonic spirit. So uh, again, uh, let's learn from what, uh, you know, the best way to learn how to deal with demonic spirits is to see how Jesus dealt with them. Amen. Learn from the master. He, uh, he wrote these stories. He specifically, as the head of the church, wanted these specific stories to be recorded for our benefit. And so why did he do that? Well, he wanted to show that there's varying in, in many ways to deal with demonic presence uh, and not to get in a rut, not to assume uh, just because we know something that we act in a certain way to, to change the circumstance. Uh, uh, there, there is no one way to deal with demonic spirits, amen? Uh, uh, except for, if you look at it this way, there really is only one way to, demonic, to deal with demonic spirits. And that's to be led by the Spirit of God. If you do it that way, then, then it's true. There's only one way to do that. But uh, uh, Luke 13 shows us that a demonic spirit was there, a spirit of infirmity. It, Jesus did not rebuke the spirit, nor did he cast it out of the, of the person. He did not address it and didn't ask its name. <clears throat> didn't even acknowledge its presence, amen, other than observing that it was there. Uh, and so <clears throat> uh, let's learn from the master, amen. Uh, and, uh, and then if we have things to deal with, then we deal with them. Uh, as the Spirit in, instructs us and, uh, and gives us insight about how to do that. And then we go on. Amen. We don't make a big deal of it. And, and uh, based on, on uh, the experience that we see with Brother Randy, uh, don't catalog him either, right? <laughs> and so uh, that's just going to get you in trouble. That's kind of like taking the census, right? 
Uh, it never worked out well when they tried to, to do that in the old covenant. Uh, and so uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. <clears throat> we thank you, Father, for the spirit of God that dwells in each of us. And, Father, if you were anointed uh, by the Holy Ghost and power, then uh, we can be anointed by the Holy Ghost and power. And so the same anointing, Father, that showed Jesus in every circumstance, every situation, exactly what was the cause of the sickness, and not only then what was the cause of it, but then how should we deal with it? Do we speak to the sickness? Do we speak to the spirit? Do we declare what is to be so? Do we call those things which be not as though they were? What is the method, Father, that you desire us to use? That, that's entirely up to you, Father. And so we will learn to be sensitive to your leading. We will, we will learn to be sensitive to your, to your voice, Father, to hear from heaven, to know how it is that you desire for us to operate. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, you know, I think it's good to, uh, to go through these because every time we go through these uh, particular situations, uh, these, these different scriptures, we, we learn and get a little bit more insight about how should we operate as Christians. Amen. Um, and, uh, and it's good for us to, to reiterate that because it's easy for us to fall into a rut and, and to try to, well, it worked last time like that, so let's do it like that and never ask the Lord again, how should we operate? Uh, and so don't get in a rut. Amen. Jesus was never in a rut, and so we're thankful for that. Amen. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And so two weeks from today, Brother Randy will be here with us, and we'll have our uh, church meal on that day. And, um, <clears throat> and he'll be here for both uh, Sunday morning and um, uh, healing school on that day there. So come ahead, Mr. Deere, and receive the offering. And it'd be, be good to see him. I, mean, we, I saw him in, was it June, over in Branson, right? It seems like it's, it's only been two months ago, but... Seems like it's been a long time since we've seen him there, right? Uh, but, um, uh, but it's all good, amen? And, of course, yesterday was uh, mine and Chris's 34th anniversary. And then uh, on Wednesday, uh, baby Wade, uh, Wade man, Wado, will be uh, one year old, right? And so uh, happy birthday to Mr. Wade. On, he's our grandson, right, uh, on Wednesday there. So, all right, we'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week, Lord, and we'll see you next Sunday.